0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming
1: resources. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
2: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 61. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. We're in the dead zone uh, of the NFL offseason, but that doesn't mean there aren't still lots of things to talk about. We're going to get into some of our sneaky concerns for the Eagles' 2019 season. Uh, An old friend wants to come back to the team, and uh, we have a very important social question to ask everyone uh, towards the end of the podcast. So we'll do all that here over the next little while, and joining me as he does every week is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, Brandon Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, welcome back, buddy. It's been a couple weeks. How's vacation?
1: John, thanks for having me back here. Uh, It it is good to be back. It is also uh, bad to be back in some ways that, you know, vacation's too short, man. (laughs) I was gone for two weeks, and uh, it went by in the blink of an eye. I guess that means I was having fun. Trip to the Pacific Northwest was very fun. A lot of Eagles fans out there, John, believe it or not. I was in Victoria, you know, British Columbia, Mm -hmm. Canada. I was in Seattle, and I was in Portland, and I met Eagles fans in every single city there. Um, You know, just sitting at a bar. Someone comes up to me. They're like, hey, man, go Eagles. Um, Wow. I'm on the Seattle light rail into downtown. Uh, I meet my friend Jason, who actually recognized me somehow wow. i don't know how like <laughs> are like, you hey. yeah, are you like, wearing
2: eagles gear so that people know or do they just know you because you're I like 7 foot 4 and stuff like that yeah, yeah i think
1: i think it was a combination of the hat and the height okay um so got recognized there portland ran into someone from bethlehem um, and someone from Yardley, Pennsylvania sitting right behind me at the uh, Portland Timbers game. So, wow. uh, small world in that sense and really cool, really cool to see that, you know, there's Eagles fans out there and I guess when they do see some another Eagles fan they're like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, th- that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I would imagine especially in the Pacific Northwest, that's Seahawks country out there. So, oh, yeah. uh, if you're an Eagles fan living out in, in the Pacific Northwest you just it's like an oasis. It's like, oh, home I, I see home because you know, I imagine that any, any Philadelphian who picks up and moves someplace else is going to still be an Eagle fan, even if they're someplace else. So I got to imagine there's lots of Philadelphia area residents who have picked up and moved to the Pacific Northwest at different points over the last uh, 15, 20 years. And so, uh, Eagles fans travel and, uh, apparently all the way to the Pacific Northwest so that's cool man I'm glad you had a good time we missed you here uh, at BGN radio and uh, on the website but um, we are ready to get back into it so let's roll up our sleeves and dive in here on episode number 61 and and the first thing I want to touch on BLG is it looks like an old friend wants to come back home Uh, we we found out this week Connor Barwin wants to return to Philadelphia for the 2019 season let's catch up on, on what's going on with Connor and Do you think this
1: is a good fit? It's kind of weird. Usually you don't see, I feel like, players so much being like, hey, I want to come back as much as you might see a team's leak interest in a player. But this is Connor Barwin just talking to Heavy.com, telling them that he is, quote, trying to come back and play for the Eagles. He specifically mentioned that he had talked to Howie Roseman, and he said that Howie is going to see if they need any depth on the edge, and he wants to kind of wait. Uh, until or so the Eagles kind of want to wait till camp starts. But Barwin said he doesn't want to wait too long. And he also said, quote unquote, but the Eagles know that's where I want to be. So I think it's kind of interesting uh, for him to just be so forthright about that. It's not surprising. Obviously, he has roots here from having yeah. played with the Eagles. And obviously, all the great work he's done with his Make the World Better Foundation. He still does the charity concert event every year that he throws here. So obviously, he has ties. He's still uh, friends, you know, with a lot of the Eagles players, Jason Kelsey, and some of the other guys he used to play with here. So it's not, like, shocking by any means. But I don't really see this fit, John. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, I don't see this fit on a football side. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about, like, locker room, yeah. I mean, that ton, makes a ton of sense. Connor Barwin, to me, is not an ideal fit for this team and for this defense, really. Like, when he was on the Eagles in 2016 as a 4-3 defensive end, I just don't think he—it was, it was very good. I, I don't think he's the kind of player— who fits this because he's not a guy who is a super good pass rusher naturally. Like that's not his skill set. What makes Connor Barwin good or what used to make him better is that, you know, he's versatile. He can he can rush the passer a little bit. He can drop into coverage. He can do a lot of different things well. That's not really what you want from a four three defensive end. And I, I yeah. specifically remember watching the two thousand sixteen season and watching Connor Barwin on certain plays, and he would just get wiped out by the offensive tackle. Like, didn't stand a chance. Like, he would do a spin move that he does, and I, I remember specifically watching Trent Williams. And now, in, in fairness, Trent Williams is a very good left tackle, but still, like, he didn't even have to do anything. Like, he put, like, yeah. <laughs> zero effort, and he just stonewalled Connor Barwin. And now Barwin is 33, or he's going to be 33 in October, so he's only a couple years older. His sack totals have gone on the decline over the past five seasons now. He ranked 101 out of 109 edge rushers in pressure rate last year by Pro Football Focus. So I just don't see the fit. I mean, I get people, and John, we've talked about it, like adding some kind of veteran defensive end maybe. Yeah, the need's there. Yeah, but I just don't think he's the guy. So I would like it if they resigned him from like a sentimental perspective because I would love, you know, Connor Barwin back. Like I love to cheer for him. If the Eagles won a Super Bowl with him, that would be awesome. I'd love Connor when to get a Super Bowl ring, but I just don't think he really makes them better.
2: No, I hear you, and you know the last time he had a really good season was in 2016. That was that was a long time ago. And while the while the Eagles do have a need at edge rusher for some depth, I mean. I would rather see Josh Sweat. I would rather see some of the young guys kind of get some run first, and and there might be camp casualties this summer. You know, and there there might be better options out there. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for bringing the band back together whenever it makes sense. But I uh, I agree with you in this case. I don't I don't see the fit either. And and you the point you make is right. I kind of had forgotten that Barwin really excelled when the Eagles were in the three four as opposed to the the four three scheme that Jim Schwartz likes to run. And so both from an age perspective and from a, from a scheme perspective, you're right. It, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I get why Connor's is doing this. I mean, it's, he wants to come back. He wants to play for the team he knows and loves, and I think it's, it's cool that he has been openly pining to return, but there will probably be better options out there than, than Connor Barwin, as, as, as sad as it is to say that, because we, we all like Connor very much, and you're right, the work he does is, is amazing um, off, off the football field. All right, one of the things we really wanted to dive into here on Episode 61 is we wanted to talk about our sneaky concerns for the 2019 season. We both believe, BLG, you and I, that this is a loaded Eagles roster, I think. You know, we look at this team. They have depth at just about every position. They've got star players at just about every position. The skill positions appear to be much improved uh, over last year. They, this might even be a better team than the 2017 team that won the Super Bowl. We're all excited about Carson Wentz, if a little apprehensive as well. And so when we're talking about sneaky concerns, we're not talking about Carson Wentz here because that's not a sneaky concern. Everybody is concerned about Carson Wentz's injury history. What we're looking for here are some of the concerns we have along the margins, some things that maybe people aren't either talking about enough or things that could pop up here during the season that could could really hinder the Eagles' ability to get back to the Super Bowl here in 2019. So, so let's jump into this. And and the first one that I have, BLG, is one that I mentioned to you a few weeks ago on the podcast. And the Eagles have so many weapons on offense. They have so many different things that they can do that I wonder if they don't have too many options. And we talked about this a little bit. I think you tried to assuage my fears that, they, that this wasn't a, a, a big concern that they have. But, you know, I wonder, how is Dallas Goddard going to get more playing time this year? We've we've heard about how good—you've talked about how good he's looked in OTAs and in minicamp. He seems to be a guy that has a tremendous amount of talent and could make a big leap forward this year, but you also have Zach Ertz, who is one of Carson Wentz's favorite targets, if not his favorite target. And you have Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson on the outside with Nelson Aguilar and, and getting, you know, how much 12 personnel do you play versus getting Arcega Whiteside on the field as well. And, you know, it's just I wonder if there are too many mouths to feed with this team and, and whether or not the Eagles will be able to to really to, to find an identity when there's so many different things that you can do. Sometimes it's it, you struggle a little bit, at least at the start of the season, to, to get an identity. And so that is a sneaky concern for me. Using all of these different players in a way that, that is cohesive.
1: I think this ties into another one on your list, John, that I have seen mm-hmm. here. And kind of one that I would have put on mine, too, um, before I saw it on yours. So I'm going to steal it right here. Good, is, do it. Is Mike Rowe. And yeah. the, and the co- and not even just Mike Rowe, but Doug Peterson, too. I mean, mm-hmm. now I believe in Doug a lot. Offense was not as good last year. Even if Mike Rowe deserves a lot of blame, I mean, Doug Peterson ultimately you know hired him to be his offensive coordinator. So Doug is involved in that. He takes some of the blame. So that is definitely, I think, a fair concern to raise. You know, how much are we going to see the offense improve or how much can you trust the coaching staff to deliver, especially, you know, with Frank Reich and John DiFilippo gone, that whole narrative from last year. You have more time now, you know, than they did last year. They, I don't think the Eagles were necessarily expecting to lose both of those guys, you know, probably maybe one. Um, so maybe that hurt a little bit, but now you have a full off-season to kind of work on this thing. And specifically with the Dallas Goddard thing, that's something we've talked about a lot in the sense of Doug Peterson has been saying, you know, that's that's something we have been working on as a coaching staff. And I hope that's not lip service. I, I hope he means yeah. that when he says it. And I, I give them a little bit benefit of the doubt there because, you know, they had only drafted Goddard in late April last year. So it's not like they had a full, you know, February and March and whatever and April to kinda prepare and, and even just not knowing how good he'd be right away as a rookie. Like sure. you don't you don't just draft Dallas Goddard and then put this big game plan together for him for the whole season because you don't know if you can count on him. Like you don't you've you have no idea. I mean you, you have a projection of what he can be, but you don't know if he's actually gonna turn out into that. And now you know. Like now that the Evans is there, you have to put in a, a big role for this guy. So um you know it'll be interesting to see. I I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, obviously we saw Bad signs last year at times, like really, really bad signs. Like the offense was just getting off to way, way too slow starts. Yeah,
2: the first quarter, first quarter numbers were brutal for horrible, this team last year.
1: Um, and you even had you know Mike Rowe at one point saying it was. Challenging to, to incorporate gold like so the the point is like they they weren't ex- inspiring the most confidence at all times. So I definitely think it's fair to put like, I think there's too much talent on this offense for them to be bad Like I'm not worried about them being bad, but mm-hmm. I guess I'm worried about them Maybe not being like living up to the full potential because I think if this offense lives up to their full potential they're like a top five offense I'm sure so I guess the concern would be like maybe they're more of a middling offense they're kind Mm -hmm. of underachieving kind of like the Philadelphia Phillies
2: oh man don't bring that team up right now I don't want nothing to do with them (laughs) um no and you know last year we have to remember we were talking about should the Eagles fire Mike grow I mean this was a conversation a legitimate conversation that that people were having and and you know I think we were, we were openly discussing whether or not it was the best thing for this team moving forward is whether or not Mike Groh could do the job as offensive coordinator. And the team did improve in the, in the last few weeks of the season. And they, they almost got back to the NFC championship game, but the offense did not exactly hum along in the postseason. So I think there the jury is still out on Mike Groh very much so. And whether or not he's going to be able to work with all of these different all these different toys that he's been given but you're right I do have confidence in Doug Peterson I do think Doug Peterson knows what he what what he wants to do but I, I do think BLG do you agree with me that this team needs to needs to have an identity this year ne- it needs to have something they can hang their hats on and and if so I mean like what what kind of identity should they have I mean I this is never going to be a running team I mean there are no running teams anymore but is this a team whose identity should be 12 personnel or is this an identity whose team should be who um, should be you know spreading spreading people out wide and and going three wide receivers? I mean, I think we talked last year a lot about how twelve personnel was was really important for this team's success.
1: Yeah, I think the bigger theme there, I guess, would be uh, unpredictability. You look back to two thousand seventeen, yeah, and you know it was, there was a lot of unselfishness on that team in terms yes. of you could throw the ball anywhere, you could run with any running back, like. There was no dominant offensive player in terms of, like, you didn't have this 2,000-yard rusher or even, like, a 1,000-yard rusher or even, like, a 1,000-yard receiver um, that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ertz might have been there. But the point is like you didn't have just one dominant guy. And I think that's kind of what it should be here because they have so many options. So you would hope that they can kind of get back to something here where they're sharing the ball. Carson Wentz is spreading it all around the field. Uh, Not too much Ertz for everyone out there. Um, and, and, um, you know, finding a way to kind of just distribute better. Uh, I also think one thing that needs to be the identity as opposed to last year is explosiveness. And, and yes. Especially if you have Deshaun Jackson back now, um, and you're getting Carson Wentz healthier and you upgraded your running back talent. You need more explosive plays. That was a big issue for this team last year, especially early on, not only just failing to generate those, but also giving up too many. You know, if, if you're not winning the, you know, the X play differential in terms of, you know, these big plays, you're obviously not going to be in a good spot. So I think that's something that needs to improve this year when you're talking about the identity is just being more explosive, being more dangerous, being a team that doesn't have to, like, like do everything right just to get it, like, down the field for a touchdown. You know, like, like meticulously pick things apart. Yeah. And, like, it, it's like a struggle. It's like pulling teeth just to get points. Right. So just make things look easier this year i guess is what i'm trying to say
2: yeah no i think that's absolutely true for so much of the season you talked about how just how how the offense was not fun to watch it was it was unpleasant to watch that even when they were scoring it was just such a grind and so it certainly wasn't like that in 2017 um all right a sneaky suspicion of yours blj
1: all right um so going with offense or sticking with offense mm-hmm. i should say i would say the offensive line not quite being as good as it might look on paper or yeah. as, Now, that's not to say, again, that it's going to be, like, bad, like a bottom five unit or even a bottom half unit. But there's probably more concerns there than we give it credit for. Like, I think when we talk about the offensive line and the Eagles offense, we're like, oh, they have all these skill players and Carson Wentz. And then the offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. And I think it could be. I think if everyone plays up to their potential, you can envision that scenario where it's still one of the better offensive lines. You still have a lot of talent in the offensive line. But if you want to take, you know, the sneaky concern element or look at it, I think you can, you know, you can point to Jason Peters being 37 and him having trouble staying on the field. Yep. Obviously, the Eagles drafted Andre Dillard and they have Big V, so it's not like they have nothing behind him. But still, uh, you would want JP out there. Any drop off to Dillard or Big V is a is a downgrade, in my opinion. And speaking of Big V, I you mean, know, you look at that right guard spot. We don't know when Brandon Brooks is going to be healthy. There's some talk that he could be ready for Week One. That would be great. But, you know, you have to consider that even if he is, he might not be and likely wouldn't be, I would guess, 100%. You know, he's not going to be like Pro Bowl form Brandon Brooks right out of the gate, which is significant. I mean, Jason Kelsey last year or after this, after the 2018 season, said he felt like the Eagles were a right guard away from making the NFC Championship game. That kind of shows you how much uh, the team loves him and how valuable he's been for this unit. I, I don't think he's... I don't know. He's surrendered. A, maybe he's surrendered one sack since joining the Eagles. Yeah, it's I like said one or zero.
2: I said last year that I thought he was the most underrated player on the team. Yeah, I, I think that's
1: absolutely true. You also have Jason Kelsey, another year older. Um, Kelsey playing at a very high level when he's out there on the field, um, but he's you know he's dealt with a number of injuries. He thought about retiring. Uh, I'm not betting against Jason Kelsey by any means, but it's just another kind of concern. It's it's something when you look at this offensive line as a whole it's like these guys are getting older, um, there's been injury issues there, I think they're going to be a good offensive line, once again, I'm just worried, like, what if they're just not quite as good, or what if everything kind of just falls apart at the same time, and you get unlucky like that, so that's kind of just something I have in the back of my mind as a concern.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the Kelsey concern is is a really important one, because he he almost retired this offseason, I mean, he he seriously considered retirement, and, you know, I think he, st- he still played at a high level last year, but um, that certainly is a cause for concern, and if you know moving guys around because Jason Peters can't stay on the field, I guess the, my question to you, I guess, is if Jason Peters gets hurt, do they use Dillard as the backup, or do they move Big V and, and try to and, and try to get Wisniewski in the starting lineup? I mean, is there is there any scenario where Dillard starts this year?
1: Yeah. So let me ask you. So do you have Brandon Brooks in the lineup yet? Like, I don't. Okay. So no. so at that point, so Big V, you would actually have to take Big V out of right guard. Uh, in that situation because he's probably starting there with Brooks mm-hmm. out. I think they might put Dillard in at left tackle in part because they don't want to shift too many pieces, you know, what I mean? right. so then you're shifting Big V back and then you're putting Wiz and they don't like Wiz. <laughs> I <Right>. think we <laughs> clearly know they don't like Wiz. <laughs> yeah. Um I think the, the Eagles really would only want to use Wiz this year. Uh, if Kelsey got hurt, God forbid. Um, So really not at all. But yeah, I I would think it would be. But That's a good question. I've kind of wondered that, too. I don't know that for sure.
2: Well, we can we can address that, too, as we get into minicamp and we can kind of see where Dillard, if Dillard gets any run at all with some of the first team offense and see if they they give him just a a little bit of that and, and see how he looks. But obviously, it's a little premature to answer that question. And, you know, hopefully Brooks is back by week two or week three. But that's gonna get into one of my one of my next uh, sneaky concerns. We'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break and we'll continue with our sneaky concerns up next here on BGN Radio.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: And we're back on BGN Radio. So, BLG, uh, my next sneaky concern here is uh, we were talking about injuries to Brandon Brooks and, and uh and Jason Peters and, you know, the the ability for the offensive line to stay healthy and last year we saw a slew of players get injured and and seemingly miss the rest of the season when an injury at first looked like it wasn't gonna be a big deal or Mac Hollins missed an entire season due to a hernia, which I mean, I know they're not good injuries, but that's the first time I've ever heard of a player missing an entire season because of a hernia operation. And so this offseason, the Eagles revamped uh, their training staff again. And one of my sneaky concerns is another season like last year, where you have players who go out with injury and it either seems as though they don't get better or Darren Sproles misses almost the entire season because of a hamstring pull and I understand he's on the older side of things so that just that could have been had more to do with age than anything else but we saw a lot of players who seemingly were not seriously hurt at first and then go on IR or or, you know they they miss more time than anyone thought that the Carson Wentz back injury is still a mystery as to when it happened how it happened why why it took so long for the Eagles to do anything about it and so that's my that's a sneaky concern I have for this season too, is a new training staff. Are they gonna institute new policies? Is it gonna affect the Eagles were the most one of the most injured teams in football last year? Will that get better here in twenty nineteen? You'd almost have to think that luck would indicate they have to be. A little bit more fortunate in terms of injuries, but the training staff factors in here a little bit in getting players back out on the field, while at the same time not compromising their long-term health. We don't want a situation where the where the training staff is rushing players back onto the field before they're healthy, but somewhere in the middle is where I want this team to be, and I'm not sure exactly how it all shook out last year. That's a sneaky concern I have for 2019.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, obviously the Eagles were second most injured team last year in terms of adjusted games lost as compiled by football outsiders. So you would think they would be healthier, you know, this year, just in terms of they're probably not going to be as unlucky as they were with injuries last year. At the same time, you know, there are older players on this roster. You just mentioned it, uh, you know, last year with Darren Sproles as that being a factor age. You have some older guys on the team, so it wouldn't be shocked if some of those guys, you know, are getting hurt such as Jason Peters, once again. Yeah. Um, and I, kind of the things I talked about with the offensive line there. Um, so that's definitely a fair concern to have. I, I think it's going to be hard for them to be as injured as they were last year. But, again, I say that, and they, they already have some injuries now, like going into training camp. You yeah. Know, there there were a number of guys who didn't participate in minicamp, like Ronald Darby, Rodney McLeod. Well,
2: Miles Sanders with, for Ronald one, too. Yeah, I mean, Raymond yeah. Brandon
1: Brooks, um, you know, a ton of guys. I can't even think of them all. Matt Collins wasn't full go. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Even after missing all that time. So um, a lot of injury issues still kind of even going into training camp. So hopefully that doesn't end up being as big of an issue as last year. But it's on the radar. All
2: right, PLG, another sneaky concern of yours here for 2019.
1: I'm going to say cornerback being unsettled. Like <laughs> That position is just like a mystery to me. I don't yeah. really. It's so hard to project. Eagles have young talent there. So it's not like you should feel like it's not hopeless. They're not doomed. But even last year during training camp, like I thought Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby were playing really well in training camp. And that's not like a minority opinion. I think a lot of other Eagles beat writers felt the same way. Now, maybe we weren't giving enough um, weight to the factor that the Eagles were missing some wide receivers. Alshon Jeffrey obviously wasn't practicing in training camp last year since he wasn't ready for the season. So there could have been some of that Uh, at the same time. It's just hard to know what you're getting from that group when you're seeing them play well in training camp, and all of a sudden the season starts, not as good. Um, And now, going into 2019, you don't even know who's starting week one because Jalen Mills is hurt, and we don't even know, like, we have no idea when he's going to be back. Yeah. I think I remember only seeing him once in, like, the whole spring in terms of being on the sideline. Like, very unclear what's up with him. So, in my mind, there's, like, some kind of chance he could begin the season on the PUP list, which would mean he would, he's going to miss at least the first six games of the season. I don't know that for sure, but, like, I don't think it's off the table. Ronald Darby, I think, would be closer to returning to Week 1, considering he did some individual drills, not team drills, but some individual work in training camp. That's, like, a good sign for him. I would think he'd be starting, you know? Again, the Eagles gave him, what, a one-year eight million dollar contract. I don't think that guy's gonna be playing on the bench. You have Rizul Douglas here. You know, he filled in well last year at the end of the year. And even as a rookie he proved, you know, he can do something. So he's gonna be in the mix. You have Sidney Jones who the teams, you know, they're not giving up on him after drafting him in the second right. round a couple of years ago. Um he's in the mix. Avante Maddox, I feel like is just too good he's to not too be good. on the field. Yeah. So it's just like it's a matter of kind of figuring all that out and like balancing the injuries and It's just kind of a weird position. I just don't know if everything's going to click the right way and they're going to figure out, uh, you know, who belongs where in the right time. Uh, They have options, which I don't think is a bad thing. It would be worse if you're just like stuck with a bunch of options you don't like. Um, But between the injuries and just like who belongs where, I just think it's kind of a weird position right now.
2: Well, it's impossible to predict who the starters are going to be, as you mentioned. Are th- all those guys you just mentioned, do they all make the 53-man roster? I mean, do they do they all make the team, or do they have to leave one of those guys off? Because it seems to me that they might have to leave one of those guys off.
1: I think all six, so including Cravon, too. I th- yeah, we I forget think- about Craven. I think I would put all six of them on the team. The only way they wouldn't be to me is if there was a trade, if someone gets traded.
2: And and who knows, maybe some of these guys start off the season injured and you don't have all six ready to go for the start of the season. But that's obviously not something that you want to be thinking about at this point here, as we sit in the middle of July or at the early part of July. Um, all right, another, uh, another sneaky concern for me is uh, the running back situation here, BLG, specifically Miles Sanders. We mentioned him just a minute ago, uh, one of the Eagles' two second-round draft picks. Uh, at the start of the offseason here, every, a lot of people were talking about him as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate, that he might be uh, the, the Eagles rookie that is most impactful here in 2019. And I realize missing OTAs and missing minicamps is not the end of the world, uh, you know, but it is a good opportunity, especially for a rookie, to get in the game, to you know, he's going to learn the playbook intellectually, but to get out on the field and start going through the pass protection and the and the routes that you got to run and, and knowing when you know when to hit the hole and and you know how to how to how to make all that work, that's important for rookies in many camps and minicamps o- and and OTAs. And the fact that he missed that worries me just a little bit. He'll obviously have a chance to catch up. By the time training camp starts, but will the hamstring be fully healthy at that point? I'm surprised he missed both OTAs and minicamp with the, what the team was saying was a a minor hamstring, and that they were just being cautious. But again, that's a lot of the same stuff we heard last year during the regular season with a lot of their players. You know, it's just they're monitoring it, they're playing it safe. Oh, now he's out for the season. You know, and that's that's my worry with Miles Sanders. I have no assurance that when the Eagles say something is minor, that it actually is minor. And so I worry that Miles Sanders is behind a little bit. And if if Miles Sanders is not a a, a really strong part of this running back rotation that the Eagles going to put out there, well, then you're looking at Josh Adams and you're looking at Wendell Smallwood again, or you got to go out on the free agent market and try and find somebody else to, to pair with Corey Clement. And you don't know what you're going to get with Corey Clement this season as well. And so, you know, then it becomes the Jordan Howard show. And if it's just the Jordan Howard show, that's, not ideal either. So I, that's I think Miles Sanders is a a huge part of this Eagles offense. This running back, this running back uh, trio that that Duce Staley likes to likes to rotate through. And I have you know the fact we haven't seen him yet. I think is a sneaky concern for this team here in 2019.
1: Yeah, and I think you know it's been talked about how Josh Adams missed all the o- OTs and spring practices last year, and he ultimately ended up being their leading rusher, but. And Josh Adams wasn't contributing for this team out of the gate. You know, he was on the practice yeah. squad for the first couple of weeks of the season, and then he was called up, and he didn't really take on a big role till midseason slash later in the season. So, you know, he had some time to catch up at that point. You know, so if you're kind of trying to compare that to Miles Sanders, you know, I think maybe it could be the same way where he kind of comes on as the season goes along. And even if he did participate in minicamp, that's kind of what I would predict for him anyway. Like, he kind of just comes on stronger through the season as opposed to having this, like, instant impact dynamic player out of the gate. Uh, Ideally, yeah, ideally he would be more than a player who kind of takes time to develop and and come along. Ideally, you could use him in a specific role as a pass-catching running back, as a guy who can kind of make something out of nothing, you know, break some of these tackles. Because you're not going to get that so much, you know, out of Jordan Howard. I mean, Jordan Howard can bull some people over, uh, and he has some of that ability for sure. But, I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's, you know, juking people out of their shoes in the middle of the field unless, you know, we get some kind of different, you know, career renaissance Jordan Howard this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that's fair. And, again, you know, as for as much as the Eagles aren't going to be a running team, that's not their identity, as you mentioned earlier, it's still nice to me when the Eagles have some running backs that Carson Wentz can kind of hand off to and take the pressure off of him yeah. a little bit. And you won't have to... Th- we saw
2: Bro, it last year, B- BLG. We saw it last year how having no running game affected the affected the Eagles' offense.
1: Um, I, yeah, and again, it's just it's sad that I can't get over. It. I can never. It's so hard to fathom. Like, it's such a good trivia question. Like, who led the two thousand Eagles in rushing? <laughs> Josh Adams. Like, really? Yeah. Josh Adams. Yeah. I mean, he's not, again, he's not going to make the team this year. Like, no. where is Josh Adams' path to making the team? Like, he doesn't really catch the ball. It's not really something he has experience doing. He's not a punt returner. He doesn't really help out on special teams like that. He's not dynamic, I would say, in the open field. So it's just like, you know, how? So you would hope, you know, that Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard can be this combo. And I think there is, you know, again, the the outlook is there. The potential is there for that to happen. But, yeah, I just think Sanders is hard to project. I just, I guess where I agree with you, John, is that, and maybe it's died down a little bit, but I think when, you know, the Eagles draft, miles sanders and people get excited and i get it i'm excited too it's the first yeah. time the eagles have drafted a running back as high as they did since LaShawn mccoy so i get it but it's not fair to expect the same thing out of miles sanders that you would get out of LaShawn mccoy like True. you're you don't know if he can make that big instant impact i think people like see it and they're like oh yeah he's definitely going to be a big factor for this team, right. and like maybe and i think he has the potential to be i just don't think it's guaranteed at all
2: no that's a fair point and maybe our expectations for sanders is a little bit too high here, especially at the start of the season. And So hopefully it is just a minor hamstring, and he comes back strong in training camp. And uh, and even if it was like a slow burn for him to, to get ramped up in the off season, kind of like it was for Corey Clement in two thousand seventeen. If by mid season he's becoming a major part of this team's offense, they should have they have enough weapons on in other areas of the team to kind of make up for it. Um, all right, BLG, another sneaky concern of yours. Kind of a not so
1: much on the field thing directly. I'm going to go with the compensatory pick factor. <laughs> now this yeah. is the obviously the whole thing that we've talked about a lot with Andrew Dejo and LJ Fort you know you cut one of those two players you get a fourth round pick potentially uh, a, a whole other complication in there is if Jordan Matthews even makes the 49ers roster which he might not which I'm just going to toss that aside for now so it, it's just kind of like a weird dilemma for the team to me it's like do they really you know keep one of these guys or both of these and I think Fort isn't going to be the guy who gets cut again. Cause like he's due 1.9 million guaranteed. Like, I don't really think, you know, you sign yeah. that guy at 1.9 million just to then cut him, uh, to preserve a draft pick. That just doesn't seem super realistic to me. Um, so I think it's kind of Sandejo who is, you know, the mystery man there who could be out, but you know, he took all the first team reps in the spring. Um, he looked decent, he is your third safety right now with Malcolm Jenkins and Ronnie McLeod ahead of them. And obviously McLeod coming off of an injury with that ACL. Yeah. So you kind of want to have some insurance there. So maybe you just keep him. But it's it's just kind of like you have to consider the question, like, what would you rather have? You know, Andrew Sandejo or a fourth round pick? And really, it's a late fourth round pick. And it's, you know, a year away. But still, it's like a question that the team needs to decide. The draft pick is not nothing. It's not a super great pick. But for a team that's only had 10 picks in the last two years combined, you know, the five players each year, there's a lack of young talent on this roster right now. And we've talked about earlier in the show about how, you know, they're relying on older players. You know, it would be nice to infuse the team with some young talent. So I just, I don't think that's a non-factor. And I just think it's like, it's something they have to weigh. It's kind of like a a tough decision in the Mm -hmm. sense of like, you're balancing. Okay. How do we look at the future outlook of this team and trying to contend in the long term versus how are we going to, Field the best Super Bowl-ready team this year right now. You know, obviously that's kind of the the conflict of the front office and the coaching staff. You know, front office looking forward, coaching staff being like, I need LJ Fort. I need Andrew Sandejo because we need to win games now, this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an interesting balance for me. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but that's why it's on the sneaky turn list. I just think it's right. kind of like something that's kind of just unfortunate because if they keep Fort, if they keep Sandejo and they lose that fourth-round pick, which they would have gotten for Golden Tate, presumably, it's just like a bummer. It's like, man, like that's that should have been an asset that we could have had um, if the Eagles kind of managed that better. I mean, I think Howie Roseman has, has a pretty good offseason on the whole, but if you think about, like, if they just like maybe were more patient for their plan at backup safety mm-hmm. or backup linebacker, they wouldn't be losing an extra pick. So uh, yeah. I think that's just one thing I will be keeping an eye on.
2: Right, because the alternatives are if you decide not to – Brings Sendejo back. That likely means you're you're really counting on McLeod to be healthy at that point. Otherwise, you're having to put Maddox or Douglas at, at the safety Sullivan. position, or Trey Sullivan. Yeah, again at, at the safety position, and that's not ideal. Sendejo has, like you said, um, looked pretty good in OTAs and minicamps, and that's not the same thing as looking good during the regular season. But uh, two seasons ago, he was a he was a valuable safety in the box. You know, good run stopping safety. So. I, you know, I, If you're asking me which of the two I think are most likely to get cut, I know you mentioned the number that Fort's guaranteed this year, but the fact that they went out and got Zach Brown, too, and you're going to play mostly nickel, uh, it seems to me one of those two linebackers would would be the one that, that doesn't make the that doesn't make the team. Um linebacker again is I love that they went out and got linebacking depth. That was something I was really hoping that they would do this offseason. But if you if you're you want to get one of those that fourth round pickback, if you, if you're asking me which one I would cut, I would probably get rid of Fort, just knowing what we know now. Obviously we have to see how things shake out in training camp and all that. But you know, you're know you not going to use your linebackers as much as you're going to go through your, your safeties, and there's more of an injury concern at the safety position. The other thing, like you're mentioning, needing young talent for this team is Carson Wentz has his deal now. You're paying your quarterback a lot of money. You're not going to be able to afford to pay other positions a lot of money after this season. And so you're going to need those draft picks, and the more of them you get, the better the chances you have of of getting a player that's going to hit. And be a productive member of your team. So, for all those, I get that. that's not a, that's it is a sneaky concern because it may not necessarily affect 2019 quite as much unless you make the wrong decision and you cut Sendejo or you cut Fort and then you suffer an injury in one of those two positions and you've done so so that you can have a fourth round pick, a late fourth round pick, the following season. That's part of the balance here that that Howie Roseman has to has to has to consider when he's when he's making out his final roster here blg let's take our last quick break here and when we come back we'll finish up with sneaky concerns and touch on an important fourth of july social issue that we must delve into that's up next right here on bgn radio and we're back on bgn radio so blg um last sneaky concerns for for each of us Um, i'll start with i think this is my last one that i have for you here um, and that is carson wentz has his deal we're all, we all know that this season hinges on Carson Wentz's health. The backup quarterback being Nate Sudfeld does not make me feel awesome. I know we like Nate Sudfeld's potential. Uh, he's looked half to, halfway decent uh, in, in practices, and he's looked halfway decent in the, the little bit of time he's gotten in preseason games. But this is a Super Bowl contending team. This is a team that has aspirations of of winning another title. I understand that Carson Wentz, as he goes, this team will go. But I worry about this team dropping an important game or two if Carson Wentz misses just a game or two. Not talking about a long five, six-week injury stretch. But Nate Sudfeld being asked to play an important game in the middle of the season because... Carson Wentz has a nagging injury, like most quarterbacks do during the course of a the season. They have to miss a game with an injury here and there. And I would feel better if there was a more experienced backup quarterback behind Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't want there to be a backup quarterback that's breathing down Carson, next, uh, Carson Wentz's neck for playing time or that he has to look over his shoulder or anything like that. I like that the quarterback position is his now, but the long-term deal he just signed assures Carson Wentz that he's not going to be looking over his shoulder. So if a, if a good backup quarterback emerges at some point over the next few months, I would certainly investigate that if I was the Eagles because Nate Sudfeld as the backup quarterback just does not fill me with a lot of confidence. Tell me I'm wrong. Please convince me that I'm mistaken.
1: I think you want Nate Sudfeld playing not at all, obviously. <laughs> if, if he <laughs> has to play, I'm saying. I think what he can handle, and I've kind of mentioned this before, is that I kind of look at like what Chase Daniel had to do last year. For the Bears, and obviously that's not going to be a very exciting name for Eagles fans to hear. Memories of Chase Daniel and whatnot. Oh man! But Mitch Trubisky had to miss two games. The Bears went two or one and one in those two games, and Daniel didn't play great, but he played well enough that the Bears were in those games, and they obviously won one and they lost the other one to the freaking Giants, so not (laughs) ideal. Um, But still, they were in those games, and I think that's what Nate Sudfeld can do, and not only him, but like the coaching staff and the talent around him on this team. I think if he has to play two games, he can at least get you to one and one, which is important. Like, I think that can keep your season alive. He's not going to, you know, if Carson Wentz goes down, he's out for the season. Like, Nate Sudfeld is not going to carry this team the way Nick Foles did. Uh, He's just not, like, that's not going to happen. But I I do believe in him um, as a guy who can kind of keep the season afloat and, like, not mess things up too bad if he has to come in and play for a very small amount of time. So uh, I have confidence in him in that way. I don't have a lot of confidence in him if it's a, a you know a larger amount of time, but that really goes for any backup for the most part, like any kind of average backup, you know, and not you know Nick Foles aside. Uh, I just I don't think you're really going to feel amazing, awesome always about your backup quarterback. So uh, I agree with you that it's it's a concern in, in the sense too that we don't really know what Nate Sudfeld is in terms of like regular season game action. You know, we haven't seen much of that. It was only what really week seventeen um, in two thousand. 17 season. He also played a little bit last year against Washington, not very much at all. Need that touchdown pass. Yeah, so we don't really know, and we've seen him in the preseason last year. And there were some good things. There are also some some bad things. I almost get like a Nick Pavetta vibe. Again, sorry for the Phillies <laughs> cop here. That's um, all right. From Nate Sudfeld though, there's yeah. like you see the uh you see like the good and you you see, there's potential there, but you also see some like kind of just head scratching you know decisions at times and and mm-hmm. things that frustrate you. I think that's what I've kind of seen from Sudfeld in practice like you see the ups and downs with him but I think that's kind of what you want ideally in your backup quarterback because in a perfect world your backup quarterback's a stud but that's not realistic like that's not going to happen um you know teams struggle to find good starting quarterbacks let alone good backup quarterbacks so I think the next best thing in terms of realistic options is a guy who's either hot or cold because and that's kind of what Nick Foles was in a way yeah because if he can get hot great if he's cold well He's a backup quarterback. You're probably not going to win anyway. A lot of the time, when you're playing your backup, for the most part, so yeah. I think he has the the parts in him where he can get hot, and we've seen those flashes in the preseason. I think he can make some things happen. at times it's not going to be super consistent, um, but that's why he's a backup and not a starter. So I think Sudfeld is good enough in a small sample, but again, I'm with you, John. If it's like over this long stretch
2: of time, you know who would be a good backup quarterback is somebody like Blake Bortles, who could get hot for like a game or two here and there. If he if you, you got a play he is. Where is he now? I forget. He's on the Rams. <laughs> is he on the Rams now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that he had left uh, Jacksonville. But uh, I mean, I wouldn't have expected the, the Eagles to go out and get him anyway. But you know, but I'm just kind of thinking that kind of a player. You yeah, know what I mean? I agree. And he can yeah. run a little bit. You know? Yeah.
1: C- yeah. Just an extra factor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, any final sneaky concerns for you for 2019 here, BLG?
1: Yeah, my final one. Really, I mean, it's kind of. It's, like, cheating. It's not necessarily sneaky. We've mentioned it before. It's just, like, defensive end isn't good enough, something we've talked about a lot here. Arguably, like, one of the bigger concerns on the team as a whole, so not so sneaky. But I guess some people think it's it's fine, Uh, so maybe that's why I'll put it sneaky. I just, you look at, like, the position compared to what the Eagles had on the Super Bowl roster, and and Shil Kapadia and Bo Wolf were doing that recently on uh, Birds with Friends. They were kind of looking back, you know, from 2019 roster compared to 2017, and, you know, you just think about it more, and, like, you had, in that year, in 2017, you had Brandon Graham, uh, who was a little bit younger, you had Vinnie mm-hmm. Curry, a little bit younger, um, you had Derek Barnett, you know, healthy, Chris obviously, Long. and you had Chris Long, like, that's yeah. a, and, and, again, a younger Chris Long, and that was, like, a really good... Like, group of four. Not only just in terms of talent, but just being able to, like, rely on those guys as a strong rotation. The fact that you could bring in someone fresh off the bench. And, like, do you really see that this year? I don't see it. Because I only see three top guys. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and um, Vinny Curry. And all three of those guys are coming off an injury. Like, Brandon Graham Mm. had injury Mm. last year. He's further removed from it. Vinny Curry is coming off an injury issue he battled through last year. And Derek Barnett didn't participate in spring practices, which I think is a kind of an underrated story. I mean, this is, like, one of the most important yeah, players a, on the defense this That's a sneaky year. concern, yeah. Yeah, and he, like, he didn't even practice. And now, yeah. all indications from Doug Peterson are that he's going to be fine for training camp. But, I mean, if he's not, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that. So we'll see with him. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a big year for him. And it's, it's just like a lot of projection, I guess, to that position. Like you're projecting that Vinny Curry is going to bounce back. You're projecting that Brandon Graham is going to bounce back. And I feel comfortable with that one because Brandon Graham proved he's pretty good. Um, and, but you're projecting that Derek Barnett is going to make a big leap, you know, from year two to year three, the Eagles, interestingly enough, you know, one thing that Jim Schwartz had said during spring practices was that they, they feel like Barnett just needs to get healthy. Like they feel like they saw enough from him last year that like, he doesn't even need to prove more. I think that's yeah. kind of an interesting comment So I don't fully agree. I think Derek Barnett needs to make an even bigger jump from where he was last year to this year. Not that he was bad last year when he was healthy, but I think that like, he needs to be even better for this team, you know, to be as good as they were in the past with their pass rush. And yeah. those are three guys, John. So what if one of those guys gets hurt? Like, then who is who's the third defensive end all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, who are you really counting on to play a ton of snaps? Is it Josh Sweat? Like, I don't know that Josh Sweat is anything. How would I? He, like last year, when the Eagles were banged up at defensive end, meaning that like Michael Bennett couldn't even practice all week because he had some kind of foot injury and um, Barnett was down. So it was just really, you know, Brendan Graham, Chris Long, and an injured Michael Bennett as your defensive ends. You had Josh Sweat healthy, supposedly, and available, but the coaching staff didn't even trust him to play as a rookie. Yeah. So yeah. like that's not the the best sign, and maybe that changes this year. And Doug Peterson highlighted Josh Sweat as a guy who stood out in spring practices, and certainly he has flashed at times. Although you know it's hard to make a ton out of that, in my opinion, because it's not it's not a real you know situation um, with with you know without pads and such. So I I just don't know that he's going to be this sure thing. You can look at his potential, you can look at his profile. He's very athletic. Um, you know he has an ex- there's things to get excited about with Josh Sweat for sure. I just don't know that it's it's all gonna come together for him. Like that's just that's a projection once again. Yeah. Um and then beyond that, again, you're talking about like Joe Osman, he might not even make the team. Deshaun Hall easily might not make the team. Um Sharif Miller is a fourth round rookie, he was taken with the very last pick of the fourth round. Um, so a very late fourth round defensive end. Like I when I look at his body type, like I just don't see him being like this instant difference maker. Like I think he might need some time to kind of develop in the league. So the point being with all of this long-winded answer is like there's just there's a lot of projection at defensive end as a, as opposed to like proven production that you can rely on. Yeah. And you know losing a guy in Michael Bennett and Chris Long, who both ranked I think top six in quarterback hits last year, like that doesn't just get easily easily replaced. Like you can't just like be like, all right, we're just gonna easily throw Josh Sweat in there, and it's the same thing. Like no, it's not the same thing. So I think the drop off there. Is definitely something that uh, maybe we're not giving enough weight to as a whole.
2: No, I I hear you, and uh, you know I think Josh Sweat is your number four defensive end right now. Is you know uh, the good news is that the interior should get more more pressure this year, so you don't need to move as many edge rushers into the middle and in pass rushing situations. And and the hope is that you know with with Jackson and Cox, you know, getting. And Jernigan maybe hopefully hopefully bouncing back. Your interior is much stronger than it's than it was last year, and maybe even in 2017. But um, yeah, if you're the, the other funny thing is too is this draft and with this off season, all we heard was how many good edge rushers there were, how many good defensive ends there were out there, and the Eagles got none of them. They didn't draft a defensive end because the way the board fell, there was just there were too many opportunities. Just for you Yeah, right. I guess that's true. Sharif Miller, yeah. But I mean, you know, the expectation was that they would get a defensive end in the first or second round of the draft. That didn't happen because the way the board fell, there were some offensive players there that they just felt they couldn't not take at those particular spots and at that point they had already kind of made their bed for in free agency with going out and getting get, deciding not to spend a lot of money on an edge rusher and so re-signing brandon graham was certainly an expenditure of some of their of some of their off-season capital so yeah, I agree with you, man. For a team that focuses on getting getting pressure on the passer as the basis for its defense with this wide nine concept, it's it is it'll it, there, you are asking a lot of three guys coming off injury, and one of whom Derek Barnett has not given you a a full season of top level production from from the edge. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely a sneaky concern, and uh, you know there is always the hope that somebody you know when when we have cut downs at the end of training camp, maybe somebody shakes loose, you can get some some depth that way but you know that's using hope as a tactic which is oftentimes not the best way to go ahead and fly a plane so um let's finish up here at blg with our important fourth of july social question our pal jimmy kemsky who uh, just did a uh uh, an appearance with uh, Michael Kist on a special uh, on a special, uh, I think it was a BGN Radio podcast that they called mm-hmm. it, um, where Jimmy was talking about his dumpster fire pieces, and they're always fantastic. So make sure that you check them out at the Philly Voice. He tweeted something on Fourth of July morning that I thought needed to be addressed when he said fireworks are overrated. BLG. what do you take? What is this? Is this a fire take, or, or are you on board with with Jimmy's anti fireworks, maybe not anti fireworks, but fireworks are overrated take?
1: I mean, it is a pretty hot. It's an it's an explosive take. Like, it's an explosive I mean, take. Fireworks. A hot
2: button issue, BLG. Yeah.
1: Um, if you had a dumpster of fireworks, things would be pretty dangerous. So you just had like you know an actual like dumpster fire of fireworks. Um yeah. <laughs> So that's something that we need to need needs to be careful with over there. Um, honestly, this is very boring, John, and I'm sorry. This isn't very um, art of the take friendly, but. I just don't care like, i have no opinion on fire- <laughs> like, i just don't i have no opinion on fireworks like they're i think they're fine like, like if i'm at a baseball game and they're gonna have them afterwards i'm probably gonna stay and watch them that's cool like i like yeah sure why not um am i gonna go out of my way and like wait somewhere for them no i, I don't really see the point in that i don't really want to do that so you're um, with jimmy
2: on this you you are with jimmy because that's basically what he's saying
1: okay yeah i guess so yeah. I, I, but i don't like hate him like i don't like think we need to abolish fireworks no but just that they're overrated yeah i'm definitely with like he explained this uh take a little bit more in his um uh post on phillyvoice.com and one thing i really agree with is that like what is this whole like fireworks on july 3rd or fireworks on july 5th yeah that's not yeah no. stop what are you doing like that's not it's not fun it's not cool like i guess maybe like some people are having like a party Maybe a day before or after because they couldn't get together on the holiday. But, like, too bad. Like, you missed the chance. Like, no no fireworks on any other day except July 4th. Like, you can't do it. It's just, it's dumb. It's stupid. Especially if it's uh, excessive, too. Like, it's, like, all night or whatever. Like, if you want to do one, whatever. But, like, if you're just doing it all the time, like, what are you doing? So, (laughs) uh, that really gets me, too. Especially, like, um... Uh, on on days where it's like near it but not the exact thing so like it's like New Year's like a day after New Year's Eve or like whatever it's or like just too
2: early I just I, I don't like
1: that for sure that just drives me nuts
2: I have some great memories of, of fireworks displays, specifically in my adult life. And one of them was uh, on a July Fourth weekend. I was work well, the first radio station I was working for when I when I first graduated college. Uh, we had this big mobile RV that acted as a as a mobile studio. It was really cool. And um, we went down to uh, the Ben Franklin Parkway, Parkway, and we did a bunch of uh, talk shows uh, from the Ben Franklin Parkway right before the big concert uh, in front of the Art Museum steps and. Uh, at the end of it, we—I—I I was—I climbed up on top of the RV and um, and just and watched the fireworks display at the at the art museum, laying on top of the uh, of the RV, the mobile studio RV, and and it was it was a pretty awesome show, and so that was that was cool. And uh, there was another incident. It was on a July fifth, so this kind of plays into the July third or July fifth thing. Uh, it was a Pearl Jam concert in Camden, and I uh, was at a Pearl Jam concert, and unexpectedly. They were going to have a fireworks display on some barge in the in the the, the, the Delaware River, just off to the side, and um, in the middle of Pearl Jam playing, they they set off this huge fireworks display. And I don't think Pearl Jam knew about it because as it started, they they were like, "What is what is that? What's going on?" And this is before you know, this is before like you know the the Las Vegas mass shooting incident, so there wasn't any worry about that. It was like they just heard a lot of a lot of fireworks noises and stuff, and finally everybody realized what was going on, and so they they played uh, keep on rockin in the free world for about 10 minutes to go along with the fireworks display. So, those were a couple of cool fireworks moments, but that being said, we I have three young young boys. We we've, we've only tried to get out and see the fireworks like one time. And when you've got a 3-year-old, my youngest is 3, you know, having him stay up and go out and and do all that kind of stuff, it's 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 really more you know, it's, it's not something that we've done. I wouldn't say we wouldn't do it, but it's just not something we've gone out and done. So I agree. I, th- I think fireworks are a little overrated, even though I've had some, some great experiences with past fireworks displays, because I don't feel the need to get up and go travel someplace to go watch a fireworks display. And so, you know, I don't think, I don't think Kemski's take is, is uh, out of line either. I, I guess we're both on board. I, I thought maybe one of us would have a little more pushback on that. but So is good. it
1: thirsty? Is it a thirsty take?
2: It's a thirsty. It, uh, I don't know, because, no, I think, especially if you tweet that on, on, on the 4th of July, there's going to be a fireworks, there's a fireworks crowd out there. There are people mm. who, you know, they tweet videos of the fireworks displays they're they're looking at, which needs to stop. People just need to stop doing that. I mean, no, nobody, the, the whole point of fireworks is seeing them live. Watching them, we've watched them on TV occasionally, and. They're OK. You know, it's something to watch on the Fourth of July when you're all when, when you're all tucked in on the couch together as a family and you haven't gone out to watch the fireworks. The kids enjoy it. But as an adult, you know, fireworks on TV, fireworks on videos on Twitter and Facebook. Eh, you know, no, no, don't do that. Just, just don't do that. So I don't think it was thirsty. I think it's a good take if we could put on our art of the art of the take podcast hat on at the moment. Cause I think there'd be a lot of people who would disagree with them. So All right. um, any, any final thoughts, BLG, before we wrap up episode 61, I'm looking
1: at the calendar here, uh, recording this on Friday, July 5th, as of the 4th, yesterday would have been one, two, three weeks until the first real training camp practice. So, Still got, you know, some time to, to work through here in terms of the dead zone and whatnot. It'll be slow for a little bit more, but obviously we still have coverage on BleedingGreenNation.com and here on Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, BGN Radio. So still a lot of content coming your way. Definitely don't tune out. Um, stay tuned here. I, as always, please leave ratings, reviews, subscribe so you
2: don't miss any episodes. And I think that's just about it. Yeah, folks, I got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff on the docket to talk about here over these next few weeks. We, we we will keep the football rolling all the way into training camp. So so make sure you keep on coming back to BleedingGreenNation.com and check out the cool features we've got there and BGN Radio and the Kiston Solak Show because we got plenty to talk about even though we're in the dead zone. So uh, d- keep on downloading and listening. We'll, we'll, we will we'll keep you up to date on everything going on with the Eagles and around the NFL. And, folks, that will do it for episode number 61 of BGN Radio. Again, five... Follow BLG on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time, right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. BGN.